Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ball Caps and Bagpipes, a Scottish baseball podcast. I'm the Glasgow Comets, John McKellar. And I'm Jason Durr, former Baseball Scotland President and Baseball Scotland Hall of Famer. Jason, it's great to chat with you again. How have you been? Yeah, things are going well here. Uh, it's summer break with the kids, so they keep me busy from sunup to sundown. Excellent, man. Keeping you on your toes. That's that's what I like to hear. Now, this week on the show, uh, we don't have any Scottish baseball to talk about once again. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, lockdown isn't, uh, isn't over and certainly hasn't uh, subsided to the point that we're going to be able to play uh, any games just yet. Uh, some training uh, has started back though, so we are kind of moving very slowly towards hopefully getting some games in. Um, as uh, League President Paul Convoy pointed out in the last episode, however, it won't be a league season. Um, we're just going to be playing some local friendlies, it looks like, and then hopefully get some kind of a tournament toward the end of the year. Um, this week on the show, we are joined by an old uh, Comets teammate of mine, Saeed Dickey, um, who played for the Comets back in the inaugural 2014 season, um, played quite a few years, uh, took a little bit of time off, uh, came back last year, but is uh, now uh, moving on to um, other endeavours, uh, which we'll get into in the interview. Uh, this is pre-recorded, we recorded it back on, I want to say Thursday? Yeah, I want to say it was Thursday, yeah. Yeah, this past Thursday, this is Tuesday the 21st as we are speaking now, so it's been a few days ago. Um we're going to shoot straight for straight over to that interview and uh, we'll be back with a close after. Enjoy. And Jason, we are joined by my ex-comets teammate, Saeed Dickey, on the show now. Hi. It was great, Saeed. Thanks for coming on. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. It's been it's, great to hear you guys again. It's great to hear from you, Saeed. I know we uh, caught up a couple of weeks ago, finally got a bit of a throw together. Um, we should do that again. Uh, I've been in Bell's Hill. Uh, so it's not been easy for me to get out that way uh, on a Sunday morning, but um, it was a pleasure to see you the other week, and thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Um, it's It's been too long since we've properly had a chat. Absolutely. I mean, the uh, the sort of throw that we had the other day, it felt good to, to throw a ball after being cooped up inside for so long, and we were fortunate that day to have really good weather too. Um, for sure. For sure, yeah. Um, now, we're, we've got you on the show for two parts. This particular episode that the listeners are listening to now uh, will just be the usual kind of uh, interview. So we're going to tell your baseball story. Um, now, listeners might have already noticed that you're not a native Scot. However, uh, accents can be deceiving. Uh, where are you from originally? Uh, I, my father was Scottish, um, but my mother's Middle Eastern. I was uh, born in Abu Dhabi. Um, in the United Arab Emirates, uh, a long, long time ago now, and uh, yeah, from there it was a case of um, just living life as a youngster until I moved to Scotland in 1999, and from there uh, I did my high school here, did my uh, university degree in Edinburgh, and then moved to Glasgow in 2011. So kind of been all over um, Scotland during my uh, teens to adult life, but growing up, I was mostly abroad. Uh, mostly, I think I did first four years of my primary school in an international school, mostly mixed with a lot of uh, uh, kids from all over the world, some from the sort of Arab world, others from Europe, some from America. And then on the other half of my uh, primary school years, I, I did it in a British community school um, where I played a lot of cricket. 
I say I played a lot of cricket. I I was I was playing cricket during um, the sort of school kind of PE sessions. But uh, yeah, that's usually where I was, and then I moved over. Now you say you played a lot of cricket. Do you feel that that somehow led to was in any way kind of part of the transition you made into baseball? How did you become a fan? First off, of baseball, I know that you're a Tigers fan. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So. My family used to have family over in Michigan, uh, Allen Park, Michigan, to be precise. And uh, growing up there, um, we used to go there every summer. And I used to watch uh, TV a lot more, uh, a lot of times. And uh, I I watched a couple of Tigers games during the mid '90s, uh, specifically '97. Uh, that that was the earliest memory that I could recall of of the sport for me. Um, it was uh, watching TV, and I remember being glued. Not knowing much of the rules, aside from you know if a if a batter swings, then it's a strike, and uh, that's about it. I I remember being so fixated though with it, uh, so much so that uh, I was able to sort of um, convince my cousin to chip in to buy a, a wiffle bat and ball that we would then take turns to to play at bat uh, growing up, and. Uh, it, it was the only sort of baseball I ever got aside from uh, sessions of rounders that I would then eventually move on to when I was in my high school, uh, when I was over here in Scotland. We used to do rounders every, um, I think it was every May or June. It was, I remember it just before the summer holidays, we would have like uh, NPE sort of like a two or three week session of rounders. Um, and it was the same kind of idea as, as baseball except the rules were a lot more um, watered down and the, the sort of pitches were all handed to you, basically. It wasn't much in pitching. Um, and that was it, sort of like my uh, baseball story from a young, from a young, uh, from a young, uh, from a young story or from the young past has uh, been pretty patchy, almost you could say. Um, it wasn't until... I traveled over solo traveling to Japan in 2013 that I sort of rekindled my interest in the sport, uh, specifically in Osaka. I remember uh, visiting the, the castle, the Osaka castle uh, one day. And, I, and if you ever go to the top of the castle, there's a, a view from there that uh, sort of views right onto the, um, onto a baseball field. And I remember watching a sort of casual it must have been a casual game i wish i knew what it was but uh, it was just a bunch of guys playing baseball and i looked at it and i thought you know what i've wondered if uh, it would be possible to take this up in scotland so when i eventually got back from my travels i uh, sort of got in contact with the gba and uh, took it from there 2013 i was uh, able to sort of pick up things in terms of batting but i sort of learned everything that I needed to learn with regards to the rules of the game as well as throwing. And uh, I owe a lot to the um, sort of Comets uh, colleagues that I had from those years, you know, Kago and Francis and, and Chuan for helping me out with trying to understand the game from sort of a sort of newbie point of view. Now, you... Grew up out east, uh, playing mostly cricket, uh, took up baseball over here after dabbling a bit um, over in the States and uh, 
having that passion reignited over in Japan. Do you feel that the cricket you played as a youngster helped you? Uh, I would imagine if it would have, it would be more so at the plate. Would you would you say that that's uh, something that helped you? Um, if anything, I I remember maybe a little bit of um, I. It helps with the eye coordination when it comes to batting. Um, although I played cricket casually, whether it was at school or whether it was, you know, with a with a tennis ball casually with friends, um, the one thing that I did take from playing cricket was the focus. You know, the idea that you had to anticipate the ball coming and try to sort of time things or judge pitches. I know with bowling, you could, uh, sorry, with bowling, with uh, bowling and cricket rather, you have to anticipate whether it's going to be a fastball or a spin ball. Those those translate to baseball just on a different kind of way. But um, I never really went into cricket as much as I have playing baseball. That's one thing for certain. So as much as I was able to translate from playing cricket casually to baseball, um, try to go full-time into baseball, it was a lot more it was a lot more in depth. It was a lot more different to how I found it personally than than cricket. Interested. Um, I know that um, Jason and I have discussed on the podcast before the kind of ease with which a lot of cricket players do transition into baseball. Um, however, if it is something you've just done casually, I guess that um, maybe not the case uh, in, in your in your in your kind of in your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's talk about the Comets, the original 2014 Comets, of which we were both uh, part. Um, you've mentioned guys like Kago, uh, like Francis, like Chuan, um, who were such great mentors as well as teammates. Um, do you have any favourite memories from that original uh, Comets lineup from that first year? I remember that year, it was quite a sort of well-rounded uh, team not in terms of how we all just generally got along together, but in terms of how there was a good mix of um, enthusiastic new players as well as sort of experienced players who saw the kind of passion in a lot of the new players and wanted to help them out a lot more, wanted to sort of take advantage of their strengths and utilize it in the team. Um, Specifically, um, when I talk about this, I think of people like Marco and I guess to some extent Francis as well, because um, both of them had their own sort of knowledge to to give um, with the sport. And uh, the earliest memories for me is probably just us all being cohesively um, together on a strategic aspect, as well as a sort of bonding aspect, as well as learning, I guess, to some extent. And um, I have to admit that at that point, had it not been the case with the Comets and the opportunity to sort of learn and take on new things and and just be encouraged to pursue, say, if you wanted to get field time or if you wanted to take up a position, I wouldn't have known if I would have stayed as long with the sport, to be honest with you, because of how much um, I was able to acquire uh, in terms of knowledge and skill. Uh, coupled with the fact that Xander was, um, in my opinion, a very good sort of motivator um, and manager that knew exactly how to push a team to um, their potential and allow them to, I guess, uh, have hope too. So, yeah, that 2014 Comets team was uh, a special, special team. 
Certainly, and uh, you mentioned Xander. Absolutely, agree with you one hundred percent. I dearly, dearly miss Xander. I've uh, said this before on the podcast. He was a great teammate, and he was such a good coach. Um, he was the best man manager that I think I've uh, played under for sure, um, and just such a great presence on the bench. Uh, he yeah. made a lot of those. Uh, he made a lot of those long afternoons that first week, that first season or two um, that the comments have been together. Um, so much more worthwhile just by his mere presence and, and making it so much more fun than it always and, and it was already fun um but just more much more fun than it already was um do you have any um kind of favorite milestones or personal accomplishments that you you look back fondly on from those first couple of years uh milestones not so much aside from perhaps just um I think the first two years that we had a pretty good track record in terms of how many games that we won and lost. Uh, on a personal level, I think I was able to get a two-run RBI against the Giants maybe in the first or second year. Um, I can't really cross-check that because we don't have much in terms of uh, data that was recorded at that time. I think I may have had a report that was once posted on Facebook uh, I remember when that happened, uh, we all went to the uh, the Ark to meet up, as we usually sometimes do um, on Sunday. The Ark is a is a bar in the city center of Glasgow, and uh, I remember being really chuffed about that that two two run RBI, um, especially given that I had spent a long time with uh, the guys trying to. Um, learn how to swing properly and, and trying to make sure that uh, I could be able to read the ball a lot better or know exactly what are my uh, sort of strong points and weak points when a ball comes into a strike box. You know, it was all that sort of time and effort uh, coming in to, to perfect and it translated on the field. And yeah, that was perhaps one of my biggest personal uh, milestones is the idea that um, all that work that was on the field uh, in the training translated into the game. And yeah, that felt good when that happened. Excellent. And uh, now you mentioned one of the sort of aspects of cricket that you took into baseball was the focus that it taught you. Mm. Um, do you have a process of any kind that you go through to maintain that focus and to make sure that it yields results? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the way I see it is that baseball is a very sort of 50-50 game of physical and mental. Um, if you ever sort of sort of side into one or the other, you, you sometimes get your pros and you sometimes get your cons in terms of um, how you deliver on the field. Um, for me, the focus, the way I see it is that I just, you know, it's, it's, when it comes to game day, for example, it's a case of all the, the sort of physical aspects of it needs to be in muscle memory or needs to be kind of at the back. Um, and when it comes to, you know, prepping yourself for at bats or when you're outfield trying to make sure that you can read the ball properly, it's all a case of um, clearing your mind and sort of staying focused on stuff at that sort of moment in time, as opposed to it being a case of uh, being distracted about the score or be distracted about um, the person at bat and whether, you know, you can catch their balls or not, or, or the pitcher being on top form or not. Um, 
I've always seen the sport as 50% mental and 50% uh, physical. So to focus, you know, physically, that sh that for me, that should have came in training. To focus mentally is a case of just try to be focused on, on what is at hand and, yeah, just try to have a good time. I think that's the important thing, too, the idea that um, if you're having a good time and, and sort of staying positive, then that will also translate in your performance. Now, um, you were a lefty but um, in our league, we don't have a whole lot of them. Did you find that an advantage or a disadvantage for yourself um, being a lefty? Obviously, on the one hand, you're a lefty and um, theoretically you would have a bit more power against righties. However, um, did that affect your learning experience, not having any other lefties on the team at the time besides Francis in the first year who left after that season? Yeah, um... It was interesting, actually, the uh, the whole notion of batting left. Um, now that you mention it, Francis was the only uh, sort of player that, that was able to sort of assist with that, given that he also batted left-handed. And, and a lot of the sort of left-handed players that I talked to um, in the GBA, whether it's Chris Young or whether it's uh, Robert in the comments, uh, comments they, they uh, bat right-handed, which was, for me, a very kind of alien concept to do. Uh, I've always batted left-handed since growing up. It felt the most natural to me. And uh, the idea, I find that sometimes it could be difficult to initially translate how to process um, advice or process kind of tips from other players. But I think after a sort of, deeper explanation of how to do it coupled with trying to maybe see it from a reverse side, whether it's through a mirror or whether it's watching um, videos um, that allowed me to at least try to understand properly. What's the sort of effective way that I could swing uh, left-handed. Excellent. Um, so, so I, I don't know if you remember. I, I'm same like you. I, I batted uh, right, or through right-handed, batted left-handed. Okay. And again, um, for me, I just I started that way, and I just it always felt most natural. Like I can bat right-handed, but it's a very loopy swing. But I always felt with left-handed that I could uh, control the bat better because it was my right hand forward. And and so I was wondering if it was the same for you. Um, the thing is with like sort of batting right-handed is that almost it feels like I, I cannot focus on the sort of uh, the swing motion in a way, you know, the idea that I would have to take a while to think about how to, 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 to initiate the swing. Whereas with the left one, it right. almost just feels like it's, it's like, it's already built into muscle memory. It's something that I can do like with a flick of a switch almost. Um, mm -hmm. It's strange because I, I always wondered if at one point in my life I ever tried to swing the other way, but it never has really been the case. And um, I, I remember earlier in the interview, you mentioned about how sort of left-handers tend to hit more to the, the right field. And I recall during my earlier um, times in the season, I was able to sort of right hit right. But for some strange reason, halfway through that, I was sort of more hitting towards center left, um, which... I find it to not be as as much of an advantage as it originally was when you were able to hit right. Um, I don't know why that's the case, but yeah, hitting left-handed for me, it's it's quite natural. And whether I could sort of utilize that as an advantage, 
Sure, I suppose. Um, right now, my, my main focus with sort of swinging is mostly to um, focus on timing. I think that's the one thing that uh, I really needed to sort of figure out. It's always been a puzzle uh, for me. And uh, yeah, the, the idea of, of swinging left hasn't really been much of a, a problem. No. So the, the theory behind it is since the ball comes in towards you, you tend to be more of a pull hitter if you bat left-handed. Right. So that's what they tend to shift that way because the ball, whether it's breaking or straight, it will still come in towards you. So you still have to get the bat head in front of it. So, um, so yeah, I totally know you. It doesn't matter. It's your first time playing. If you've been playing for years, everyone expects you to pull the ball. Mm-hmm. Now, Saeed, um, you played much like myself, more mostly – corner outfield positions uh, like left and right uh, but I know you also dabbled a wee bit with uh, first base do you have a preferred position that you played? Uh, outfield always has felt sort of the comfortable uh, position for me uh, right field or left um, it's been a position that I struggled with at first when I, I first started playing but the idea is that once you sort of get more um, fly balls and you sort of learn how to um, anticipate the sort of sound of the ball that hits the bat coupled with how far back and forth to go. Um, it's become sort of like the the comfort zone almost. Uh, first base has been a sort of comfort, uh, a, a position I've always wanted to sort of get into, uh, mostly as I've always seen it as a beneficial position for a left-handed person and coupled with, I guess, pitching. Uh, and left and first base, yeah. For as in terms of an infield sort of position, first base has always been that sort of um, next stage, almost in, in sort of um, that sort of next step in where I wanted to develop and where I wanted to uh, take. I guess you, you could call it um, the next stage of my sort of baseball. What's the term? Can't be career. It's uh, experience or playing the game. Um, and yeah, that's that's the one thing I'm I'm hoping to work on and maybe become a uh, sort of backup uh, first baseman in case whatever happens. But um, aside from the outfield, which is comfort zone for me, I've always been intrigued to, to take up first base. So, Saeed, we are kind of wrapping up towards the end of this part of the interview. A um, couple more questions. And the next one would be, do you have any Glasgow Comets victories that you look back on more fondly than others, particularly ones where you might have played particularly well? You did mention the two RBI hit against the Giants. Uh, but do you have any kind of comments, victories that stick in the mind? And the one that sort of comes into my mind recently probably is the sort of first game against the Galaxy last year, um, coming from sort of, I think it was either one or two sweeps with the um, previous seasons with Galaxy against the Comets. That first game in the 2019 season, um, was remarkably close from what I remembered, and um, to have the comments pull out of pull out into the lead at the beginning, or at midway to half halfway to the end of that game, um, was quite a remarkable um, feat. Uh, given that you know it was first game of the um, season, both teams obviously were a bit rusty after coming from the long off-season break. Um, and to have that sort of victory in the bag was something of a uh, motivational um, push for the team in order for for them to sort of take on that streak into the season. Um, that sadly didn't happen, but it was a great way to start a season. And, and that's 
one thing that I think I'll remember as another sort of Comet's um, achievement is the fact that, you know, you come off that victory in the start of a season, um, winning over a team that's sort of won the league for two seasons in a row. Um, that that's that's something proud to take away from from that day. So yeah, I would say that was another uh, another moment, I guess, in Comets that I recall that that was worth uh, that's worth mentioning right now. Excellent. Yeah, that was. I think we've mentioned that a couple of times on the show, Jason. That particular derby. Um, and it was quite a memorable one to play in. Um, certainly fond memories of that day for myself as well. Um, Said, you mentioned last season, and now midway through last season, you did depart the Comets. You have indicated earlier in the interview that you're still working away and are looking to play again in the future. Um, however, where are we most likely to see you play? It's, from what I understand, it's not Glasgow. Yeah, so I was in the middle of last uh, season, sort of, I was taking a step and thinking about how, you know, for the past five years, I was sort of playing with Comets, a team that's become almost like a second family to me, uh, coupled with representing the GBA at uh, one um, international tournament over at Belfast, which is uh, a weekend that I will probably take with me until I die because it was so much fun. Um it made me then sort of realize how after five years, I really wanted to sort of take my understanding of the game and uh, development, skill development into to the next level. Um, and I decided halfway last season to um, move over to train with the Baseball Scotland uh, organization. Uh, mostly learn and, and sort of get to know the guys as well as try to see if I could pick up sort of new sort of skills and, and ideas that would allow me to sort of take myself to the next stage of, of this sport. Uh, I've been training with them since, I think, I, w I went to two scrimmage sessions in September and two sessions just before um, the lockdown happened. Uh, just getting in touch with Paul and the rest of the guys and casually throwing and doing drills, um, getting in touch a lot more with Sylvian too, who's helped me to sort of understand um, how to sort of fine tune a lot of aspects with my stride and and uh, batting stances and things like that. Uh, information and, and knowledge that um, I'm always open to, to, to take in and learn. Um, in terms of teams, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to take part uh, I've been signed up to play for the, the Devils, um, and I perhaps might be playing a game or two over at Edinburgh. Um, but given the situation with, with COVID-19, I don't know how many games that's going to be this season. Uh, but that's sort of the next stages that I wanted to take from this point on in terms of playing baseball in Scotland, is to sort of get to know the guys in Edinburgh a lot more and uh, see where, yeah, see where, where things take me when I'm over with the Devils. How do you feel about the prospect of facing off against the Comets in a game? Difficult, to be honest with you. Um, as much as I sort of have played against, uh, played with the Comets, and and you know have the ability to to spend a lot of time and memories with them, the first game is is going to be something that's going to be really really difficult for me to uh, 
try to get over, I suppose. Um, I think the important thing to take out of this is that, uh, you know, we've got sort of comets now are sort of slowly evolving into what is going to be a very formidable team in the league. And my understanding is, is that there is going to be, uh, I don't know, it's, it's going to be interesting to, to be uh, on the same field, but this time not wearing the, the white jersey, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, if I, I will mostly see as another opportunity to play on the same field as, as, as you know, just before, just on the, on the different side. Um, it's, it'll be difficult. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, um, I, I feel the same. Uh, it would be, I think, a strange experience. Uh, I don't think it's any secret that you and I were quite close, um, particularly sure. on those early teams. So it's going to be weird if we come up against the Devils and you are available to play that day. Um, to, mm. be, to be sat on the bench and not be sat beside you having a laugh eh, like we did. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a new experience. And like you say, a chance to um, for a new experience, really. It's just a... a new chance to develop for yourself and uh, to be clear uh, you mentioned Baby Baseball Scotland that would be the guys based in Edinburgh yeah yes yeah sorry yes yeah. that's correct yes um, yeah so um, hopefully we will get a chance to meet or meet each other on the diamond uh, in the near future uh, hopefully COVID-19 uh, will subside enough that we can get some games in this year Um with that, uh, I don't have anything else for Saeed for part one, Jason. Um, is there anything else that you would like to cover? So you mentioned wiffle ball. Yes. And I was curious. Uh, <laughs> did you put you him started play, on wiffle ball? Awesome. What was the question? So did you play a lot of backyard wiffle ball? Because, I mean, I, I used to play for hours on end in the summertime with my brother uh, until I, I basically – he got tired of losing, and I think that was <laughs> see the thing is I remember about that was um, I remember like watching the games a lot during the summer, Tigers games mostly on television, and I remember like speaking to my cousin and being like, you know what, I've seen these wiffle balls and bat combos. You get them in sort of like the plastic, and it comes with the ball and the bat, and you'd find them. What was it? We were I think it was either a Kroger or Target or something like that. Right. And I me- and I remember that there was no way that we could get a real ball and bat, mostly because they were too expensive. And even if we got them, it was that fear of trying to break a window and stuff like that. <laughs> so we 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 sort of remember picking it up and we would play it. But in all honesty, like we didn't have enough, I guess, players to sort of join in to run around the bases. We would just sort of take underarm sort of throws to see if we can hit the ball. And if we can't, then we switch over after three, I think. Um, and the only ever times that we ever got in trouble was hitting the ball into the neighbor's um, gardens when it went over the fence. So we would always have to try to convince ourselves who's going to be the one that would have to knock on the door and, you know, say, hey, excuse me, can I can I get the ball back? And nine out of ten times, we would just try to sneak in, to be honest with you, <laughs> try to jump <laughs> over the fence and just try to get the ball and, and get out. Um, thankfully, there, I remember there was an old lady that we used to always hit in. She didn't mind so much. But yeah, wiffle ball, it was sort of short-lived. I guess it was like for one summer and that was it. Um, alongside that, I remember getting a, a sort of glove from my grandma, but it was a right-handed glove that, you know, didn't have much use for me. So 
I tried to learn how to throw right, but it, again, it didn't just didn't feel right. So I might still have that glove actually somewhere. It's too small for me, but yeah, it fits my right hand. Yeah, it's my left hand rather. Yeah. Um, that, 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 this, you know, sounds a lot like everyone else's childhood in the States. You know, you, you go and you get someone there and you hit for hours. We said so we played with ghost runners. So mm. you had like, uh, if you hit the tree, it was like an automatic double and stuff like that. And, you keep track that way. So it was pretty similar to what you guys were doing there uh, and just play for hours and hours and hours till it was uh, a game was on. And they said, you know, so you would have been kind of uh, East Coast. You would have had all the chance to watch all those games. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And aside from that, baseball was mostly just on on video games, which we will obviously be talking to. But it was either video games or just casual wiffle ball. Um, and at school, it was mostly cricket. If we have to talk about a sort of bat and ball type game and rounders in, in high school which was super casual did you feel that your baseball transferred over to to rounders so you could uh, basically kick their ass and play wiffle ball and cricket? <laughs> I, I gotta tell you i wasn't very athletic in high school so i i think rounders was the only sport where i wasn't kind of picked second last or last Right. Um, whether okay. it was football or basketball, I, well, football, I would always have been in goals, picked last. But when it came to rounders, I was shocked to see, like, I would have picked second or third. Um, yeah. So I'd like to think that wiffle ball came in handy there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like, I, 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 that was the one thing I did. did like, years ago, I bought um, a wiffle ball bat. And these specialized ones you can get now where uh, it's, uh, the ball's, uh, dimpled the funny way it's kind of a hexagonal shape like that oh wow okay so how you put and you how you put pressure and really you get much more curve i mean obviously you know with wiffle ball you get a lot of curve on it and the ball moves um and there's whole leagues around it now uh gosh i can't remember the name it's called but yeah um we did that for a while then we lost all the balls and that was oh, gosh. <laughs> so thank you so so much saeed for coming on the show um and telling your story um, it's been a great interview, and uh, let's look forward to, to part two. Um, we were going to talk video games, as you and hinted at there a moment ago. Uh, really looking forward to this. Um, so part two will be on next week's show. Uh, for now, we'll cut to the close. So again, that was my ex-comments teammate, Saeed Dickey. Uh, great chance to learn some things about Saeed that I never knew before. Um, just also just fantastic to get a chance to chat with a good friend of mine. And uh, an old Comet teammate. Um, dearly miss playing alongside him, uh, but if it's going to be across the diamond uh, on the opposite bench, it's just going to be great to see some capacity. Um, brilliant interview, I thought. Just a great chat with a, a lovely guy. I like Saeed. Saeed's great. He's, uh, he's always good chat. Played for the Cannons a few times. Uh, came to my testimonial match. Uh, you know, I was really surprised uh, he showed up and he asked if he can come. So, yeah, I like Saeed. Uh, we had a side project worked on together. So, uh, I always had the world for Saeed. Yeah, and uh, certainly next week, part two of uh, our two-part or two-segment uh, sit-down with Saeed is uh, going to be featured on the show. It's a great chat about video games uh, and specifically baseball video games, uh, a shared passion of ours. So, it's going to be uh, good fun to listen back to that and uh, edit that and get that out to the people. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm definitely a little bit old school. I'm all about the two-button mash, so uh, you guys are <laughs> far far more complicated than I am. <laughs> yeah, um, which is good because uh, I think you kind of uh, you've kind of fell out of that one, didn't you? you? You kind of missed a lot of that one. I did, I did. I, I, I 
missed most of that. I want to be honest there. So, um, <laughs> so that was probably it was all over my head. You guys were. Is this my karma for missing the final of the Bump Bailey Wax Pack Heroes Tournament of Awesome? <laughs> uh, let's see, the man cave wasn't up to, to speed that night. So, uh, <laughs> which, uh, by not, the way, much... folks, which listeners, I would like to remind you, we were the runners up of. Um, and we we beat out some stiff opposition to get that far. So hopefully, uh, we get a chance to go win better in the near future. But uh, segue to the uh, not so distant past. I don't think. What do you have in store for us? Uh, this is Tuesday, the twenty first of July. We're recording. What's today's uh, baseball history fact on bubble and baseball? So th- this one's a great one because it inv- involves both our teams. Right. So, oh no. Uh, <laughs> you, you son of a bitch damn it <laughs> so this one is a definitely a pop culture icon um, or pop culture reference but yes this day in 1988 the Yankees traded yeah. Jay Buhner to the Mariners <laughs> and the rest as they say is history exactly uh, so uh, I know a lot of people who, who follow Jay Buhner just because of Seinfeld and, and the reference of <laughs> when George Cassandra's dad yells at George Steinbrenner so yes that, that happened 32 years ago today. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's a good one. Do you remember auction was uh, when you found out about that trade? You know what? It wasn't a big deal. So, 88, the Mariners were still well, pretty crappy, uh, <laughs> completely honest. And I was more of an A's fan then because you had McGuire, Canseco, and Ricky Henderson. So, I, I was like, man, it wasn't until Griffey came up at 89 there was any kind of buzz about the Mariners. It was more of, um, they were there. We went to the empty Kingdom. Um, funny enough, I went to a lot of uh, Yankees games at the Kingdom because they always seem to come through on my birthday. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. There, there was that, and then we had um, uh, a family friend whose brother was the manager for the A's and then worked in the Tigers front office for a while. So whenever they were in town, we got awesome seats. Um, I remember vividly sitting behind home plate about 10 rows up and chatting with a guy who was a friend with Edgar Martinez and Juan Gonzalez, and they had flown him up for the for the series so they all could hang out together. Marvelous. Sounds like a great memory. Um, yeah, not not a good idea uh, from the Yankees' perspective in hindsight. Um, but uh, Buda became kind of a big deal in Seattle. Is that right? You know what? He he was a legend up there. Like he was he was he was never great. He was good. He could he hit the ball well. He played hard, um, had an amazing arm, and what what really made him was like he shaved his head and he had these Buner buzz nut buzz cut nights, and they happened <laughs> two, two or three times a year, which was awesome because they, if you showed up to the park, they would uh, shave your head and you got to sit out in right field for free, uh, and there was always at least three or four women that signed up for this and got their head shaved <laughs> and all of that. So you know when you have that, and then people sitting out there, you know, you know his nickname was Bo. And they were just awesome. Did you ever get your head shaved on Punar Buzz Cut Night? No, not not at that point. I don't know why I never did. Um, probably because my parents wouldn't drive me down there at that time. Oh, and then at the same time when they really started taking off, I was uh, down in Oregon for uh, uni, so yeah. um, I wouldn't have been. Around. I, I never really came home in the summers. I usually stayed down there and then popped up for an occasional weekend. So uh, sure. I, I missed out on those. Ah, well. Um, where can the listeners get hold of more of these interesting history facts uh, regarding baseball so you, online? You can follow my Bubba on Baseball account across all the social media platforms. 
And there's a new one. I'm now tweeting for the UK Mariner account. So I'm uh, co-hosting that, I guess, as well. So uh, so you can see stuff on there. You see me on there. And, of course, you can find everything on uh, dugoutclassics.com uh, and all social media there. So, so if you need any uniforms or shirts, well, you've got you sorted. Great stuff, man. And, of course, you can hear the show uh, pretty much anywhere you pick up your favourite podcasts. Uh, the homepage is anchor.fm slash capsandpipes. Um, please do uh, subscribe, leave a review, share it, all the rest of that good shit. Um, uh, you, can, you can find the podcast on... I'm so good at this, aren't I? Such a great salesman. You can find the podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and both are just at Caps and Pipes. If you search them in the search bar, you'll find us. Uh, that's more or less everything, I believe. I think that's it for this week. Let's look forward to seeing your guys chat about the video games next week. I'm looking forward yep. to it. Since sure. I, and I think you listen to it, so I gotta listen to it. <laughs> You're gonna hear it for the first time with everyone else. It looks like. Aye. Um, one thing, one other quick thing before we go. Uh, obviously, baseball, uh, Major League Baseball is back this week. Um, who you got in the opener? Is it Scherzer versus Cole? Oh man. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go with the Yankees in this one. I, I, I don't. I think the Nationals are kind of a fluky wonder. So it's Scherzer. I don't know. And we'll see. There's still plenty of time for everyone to get sick. <laughs> yeah, you you were a wee bit um, you had a bit of trepidation about the possibility of finishing the season, didn't you? But uh, let's uh, let's chat about that in more depth uh, on next week's show uh, before we play the second part of Saeed's interview. For now, we'll uh, we'll say goodbye uh, to the people. Bye.